Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show. We have to talk about Kirk Cousins and what's next for the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody has an answer, but is the answer a new quarterback? Is the answer just a complete overhaul of the defensive staff? We'll talk about that next on the Ron Johnson Show, but we also have Jonathan Casillas, Giants, Super Bowl champion, former Badger. Of course, that's why I'm wearing my Gophers gear because we got a Badger joining us, but he is a New York Giant. I want to get his take on this Vikings-Giants game. His thought? Of the Vikings, because I always wonder what other players, other teams, Eli Manning, Jonathan Casillas, uh, David Tyree, what are they thinking of the Minnesota Vikings? And what do they think of this game? And can they do the unthinkable and continue on in the playoffs? We'll talk about that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. As I stated, the Minnesota Vikings season is over. So now, it's off-season speculation time. What are the Vikings going to do? What should they do? What are the people thinking? And I, and I know this, like Minnesota, from a quarterback standpoint, when you have Tom Brady with the New England Patriots, they never thought about what they should do next. Uh, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they never had to think about what they were doing next until Aaron Rodgers started bringing it up. When you look at the Cincinnati Bengals right now, they never talk about quarterback. Why? Because Joe Burrow is probably the future. But in Minnesota, it, it's like Romeo and Juliet. You got two different sides. You got two different sides, and you're trying to marry them together and see which side is going to be right. I want Kirk Cousins, or Kirk Cousins will never win us the Super Bowl. I, I have a thought about Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, and – if you're wondering what the Vikings should do, we'll talk about that next. But before we do, remember, Amazon Fire and Roku, you can download those apps. Just download the Amazon Fire and the Roku apps, whether you have it on your TV, your tablet. But when you get on there, you can download more apps. The app is Locked On Sports Minnesota. Just download Locked On Sports Minnesota. You'll get all of our videos, all of our shows, all of our content. And hey, every download matters. So please go download Locked On Sports Minnesota, whether you have an Amazon Fire or you have a Roku, please do that. As I bring my producer into the show, Sam, um, Sam, everybody, I, talk, I, I named some quarterbacks that we know they have no issues right now. Bills, Josh Allen, that's the future. They hope he retires off into the sunset as a Buffalo Bill like Jim Kelly. Uh, there's just certain quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the same team. 18 years, the same team. Like the Vikings have never had that type of stability at quarterback. And and Kirk can't play 18 years. We know he's too old. But I feel like he could be a quarterback that he should be able to play till he's done. You think about some of these guys. The reason why Kirk, here's my here's my reason why. Kirk Cousins is durable. Kirk Cousins is a team first guy. Kirk Cousins is smart. Uh Kirk Cousins is willing to do everything it takes to win. But I go back to durability. Kirk Cousins is a guy where you don't need to worry about the guy behind him. Like, you don't need to worry about having a backup. Could you imagine 
if Kirk Cousins had got hurt when when Kellen Mond was potentially the backup? Like, I couldn't imagine what the season would have been. And here's two things to that. One, maybe Kellen Mond comes out and has a Brock Purdy type of career. Probably not. Probably not. When you watch his throwing motion. Now, running, yes. Like, I'd I, not say he's a Huntley, but I believe if you put him in the in maybe the Ravens offense, he probably succeeds a little bit. He can run. But he's he's not a true throwing quarterback. And so in this system, it just didn't work. I look back at that draft, and and, and maybe we'll do that on Friday. We'll we'll redraft Kellerman's draft class and see mm-hmm. who the Vikings should have taken, uh, which were guys a couple picks after every single pick they picked, because those guys are here. So that's a good Friday exercise for us. That's a little fun. But when you when you look at what this team can be, I go with this, and it's real simple. It's not Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not the problem. When you say what this team could have been, it's not Kirk Cousins. This defense gave up 400 yards over five to six times. Over five to six times they gave up 400 yards. And I think they did it consecutively. It was like five straight games with 400 yards of offense given up. Mm. You're asking Kirk Cousins to overcome a mountain. When you got the Dallas Cowboys, when you watched Dak Prescott last night, he had to overcome a molehill. Like, the Buccaneers couldn't get out their own way. Tom Brady's throwing picks for no reason. You look at J. Ron Curse having himself a day. You look at Xavier Rose coming in and just doing a little bit. You look at Anthony Barr out there. And then you look at George Edwards on that sideline. And this is where I go with the defense. The Dallas Cowboys defense married with the Vikings offense. You'd have a Super Bowl champion. No question. No question in my mind, you have a Super Bowl champion if you marry the Dallas Cowboys defense and the offense of the Vikings. There's no way you don't have a Super Bowl champion. And and this is where I go, George Edwards. For years, for years, I said George Edwards should be the defensive caller and the play caller and the defensive coordinator. I feel like in the time he was here, I think it was like 17 years, he learned a ton from every coach. When Zimmer came in, he learned a ton, and he understood exactly what Zimmer wanted. Like, who knows what you want more than somebody who's been here the entire time you've been here? And at no point does Zimmer ever think to to relinquish that. He was the longest tenured coach. Now, the Cowboys, because they already had Dan Quinn as coordinator, they bring him in as executive. And what does he do? He starts to mold that defense. You look at those rush packages. You look at that A-gap mug. That's just George Edwards imprinting himself, helping Dan Quinn out. Hey, let's do this on this blitz. Hey, let's run this coverage because I know where these guys are going to be best. Trayvon Diggs is basically Rose Close at his butt, at his best, if not better, though, because he can catch the ball. But he's Xavier Rhodes. He's a guy, that, and not to say skill-wise, I mean the way they run the scheme. He's a guy that eliminates half the field, like Deion Sanders, and then you can play coverage around the rest. He's a guy that when you play zone, he can creep and actually understand, and he's willing to go make a play because he can catch. He's a former receiver. He played receiver in high school and college at Alabama, and then Alabama turned him into a DB. Smartest decision he ever made. He's going to go down as one of the all-time most interceptions probably in NFL history. I don't know from a coverage standpoint, but the kid can catch. If you throw a deep ball, he turns into a receiver. He's not playing like a DB anymore. He's not saying, I got to stop this guy from catching the ball. He's like, hey, this is my ball. I know how to track a ball like a receiver because I play receiver in my life. My brother and I are both receivers. I'm just a DB now. He's stronger, bigger, taller, so he could do it. Stefan Diggs couldn't make that transition. Now, I know Diggs would probably say he could, but I don't think he could make that transition. Trayvon is bigger, longer, stronger. I don't know about faster. 
But when you look at that defense, that that's my thought of the day. With Kirk Cousins, I for sure would keep Kirk Cousins and extend him and, and maybe even have a serious conversation with him about, hey, look, you know what the offense line issues are. You know what our defensive issues are. We have to be able to go get free agents. And if you help us with this, you've made, what, $128 million one year, another 34 to $40 million the next year. Like he made $44 million with the Redskins. The guy's eclipsing, you know, and I'm pretty sure like the the, the all the, the commercials he has, like he's making money. He's probably made over $200 million. So at this point, at age 34, 35, is it still, do you need, because I, 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 I know the joke, nothing's better to a rich person with money than more money. I get it. But do you want to win? Do you want to win or do you constantly want to look at yourself and look at the jumbotron every time you're trying to have a comeback game and win in the fourth quarter? Or do you want to go out here and blow teams out and have a, a defense like the Cowboys? Because that's going to be the key. How much is he willing to sign? Do you want to stick play on be on the same team with Justin Jefferson? Because they can't afford Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. It's not going to work. Like that's too much money on the offense now, and you still have a hurting defense. So that's my quick twitch is that I would resign Kirk. I would have that serious conversation though. Like, look, your window due by the time you're 38, it's probably going to be almost over. So at that point, what do you want to do? These next four years, can you sign a team friendly deal to help us go get you some pieces to make this work? You know, now running back, they'll be able to cut down there, but they do need some defensive pieces, some young pieces, some young free agents. And uh, that's another thing we'll do. Look at free agents for the Vikings that they possibly could sign early, defensive guys they can add, that they can – because now with Kevin O'Connell, I do think the Vikings are a landing spot for some players because it is like the atmosphere, the locker room. I think it is a landing spot for some players that know they can come in and not say they don't have to deal with the head coach. They don't because he's an offensive guy. They get to come in and be a part of a defense that is going to eventually – they're going to climb. Like I think they're going to get there, but Kirk Cousins – it's gonna have. I say resign him if you can get him for four years, do it. But I say it needs to be a team friendly deal uh, and not cheap. But I mean, come on now, you don't need to be a top ten pay quarterback anymore. Like you've made a lot of money. Now let's go out and win a championship. But again, Cowboys defense, Vikings offense, it's a Super Bowl champion. What do you think? I think you're right. I also think it's gonna be tough to cut the guys you need to cut on defense to save money, rebuild, and then develop a better defense in the time Kirk Cousins has left. It's going to yeah. be hard. You're going to need to kind of hit the jackpot with some draft picks, get some some team-friendly contracts in free agency, and you're going to need to to manage that to get, to get that group to like 15th in the league, middle of the pack. That's what we wanted this year. We didn't get it. Um but that offense is so expensive, Ron. You mentioned it. Jefferson's going to be expensive. You can't get rid of him. Your your tackle, O'Neal, is expensive. You're not getting rid of him. Eventually, Darisaw will get paid. But Hawkinson, you want to pay. Osborne's going to need money. There's just a lot of pricey pieces on that offense. It's going to be tough to develop a defense that is Cowboys level. Unless, Ron, you get really good at drafting. And they've got to get really good at drafting fast. Because they don't have a lot of draft picks this year. The number 23 pick overall, maybe that's a defensive star. And then you need Scene to get healthy and hit. You need Andrew Booth to be good. Brian Asamoah, that pipeline that you drafted last year, they all need to deliver for this thing to work out. It is what it is. Again, I go back to it before we get out of here and move on to, to uh, Jonathan Casillas. And then, of course, we got the Daily Three. You got to have a guy. You got to have a guy. 
on that defense, and I feel like they're going to have to go get it. So if they can get the Dallas Cowboys type of production, top 15 defense with that offense, they're a Super Bowl champion, or at least in the Super Bowl, because you still got to beat the AFC teams. But I think they could be in the Super Bowl. And I want you guys to remember, three, two. And I want you guys to remember, check out Locked On Sports Minnesota's podcast on YouTube. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wilder, Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. BetOnline.net brings you today's show. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends. Checking out the NFL playoff lines in the divisional round. Chiefs favored by eight. Eagles by seven and a half. Bills by five. 49ers by four. Those are your lines. Track them all week at betonline.net. Also find NBA and NHL lines there as well. BetOnline has good sports podcasts. For your listening pleasure too it's bet online on your mobile device it's where the game starts welcome back to the ron johnson show and we are hanging with ron johnson and it's a little somber uh vikings lost to the giants but you know what this this doesn't matter like i'm an unbiased analysis guy i'm an unbiased analyst so i gotta bring uh jonathan casillas he played for the new york giants but he also played for the Badger, so it's a little double duty of behind enemy territory. Uh, we're definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to get him on uh, during the college football season. Uh, he he's been a part of some big playoff runs, so he knows all things football. But more importantly, he was my classmate at Fordham, so I want to welcome Jonathan Casillas into uh, the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, man, thank you for joining me. First off, I'm gonna jump out there. The New York Giants, man, like I, I, we we got David Tyree's take. Uh, the last two times the Vikings have faced the Giants and uh, and da Darius Butler as well. Like, they, they were all saying that they think Daniel Jones is the guy. And David Tyree, like, literally on the show said, he's the guy, he's New York's future. Uh, he He's not the next Eli Manning, but he's the next big quarterback that should be around for a while. Uh, what is your take on Danny Dimes? Well, first off, I love Danny, Danny Dimes. I, I think, um, you know, he's grown on me too, Ron. I was, I was a little critical – you know, early in his career about him, you know, his some of his decision making and, you know, uh, turning the ball over, you know, he he, he was a consistent t uh, ball turnover man, you know, he was just <laughs> consistently doing it, you know, and, and, you know, that's not, that's not a recipe for success, you know, especially at that position. And I just seen a constant improvement this year, you know, from from day one, all the way to week 18 into this first playoff game against the Vikings, I've seen a steady improvement. And I think Dayball, you know, getting his hands on him and Mike Kafka, I just think they did a tremendous job and, you know, kind of helping him speed up that maturity process, which I felt like he lacked coming into this year. And man, he grew up fast, man, right in front of our eyes. And, you know, I think that culmination was all in, you know, to last Sunday against that Vikings with a hell of a performance that he had. And, and you've won two Super Bowls. So you know what it takes. You've been a part of great locker rooms that have gotten to the, the pinnacle of the NFL. When you look at those Super Bowl runs and you and you dissect this uh, Giants team, not just the defense, but the offense, because you're going to need both. Um, do you feel like this is a team that can upset uh, the Eagles and kind of shock the world with what they can do down the stretch now? 
Well, look, you you know how it is. The best team doesn't always win these games, especially later in the year. You know, it's mm-hmm. whoever plays better that day. You know, whoever, you know, turns the ball over is probably going to lose the game. You know, like, and this is the thing. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, that's what they did. They didn't turn the ball over the entire year, you know, and, and they were number one in that stat. Uh, Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. And then he got hurt. And then, you know, I wouldn't say the wheels fell off, but, you know, they kind of, you know, they weren't the same consistent team as they were throughout the whole entire year you know and look i it's all about momentum you know when it comes and and a lot of people question uh the giants for not playing guys in that week 18 loss to the eagles but this is the first time ron where i saw a regular season game played Mm -hmm. and a loss happened and people didn't look like they lost you know the giants didn't look like they lost you know it it was like treated like a preseason game you know preseason game you lose that you're not really upset you know because it's like all right we got you know next week or you know the regular season starts next week or whatever the case may be you know and 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 i always say this ron when you lose you got the the stupid face the dumb face you know like (laughs) you you smiling when you winning you know but when you when you lose you got that that loose face and this is dumb face to me it's a stupid face <laughs> and nobody looked like that on the giant sideline and i think they had momentum off of a loss which is very rare you know and and they finished the season with momentum of course you know they go into uh minnesota uh twice in four weeks one loss and then they go ahead and win it in the playoffs the game that truly mattered and then you look at the other team the philadelphia eagles i think they don't have momentum you i don't think they play well down the stretch their Mm -hmm. quarterback you know going down sweat going down and then look they were healthy basically all year and the giants were not healthy all year and i think that tide has turned the giants are healthy now and now the 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 philadelphia eagles who was deservingly the number one seed. I think they were the best team in football. Now, Ron, if that team shows up, Mm. I don't think the Giants got a chance. (laughs) I don't think the Giants got a chance, you know, because they were a legit number one seed all year. They were a dominant team. But, you know, sometimes, you know, that kind of, that flair kind of fizzles out a little bit. I'm not saying it is happening, but if that's the case, the Giants can definitely go down, uh, down the turnpike and go ahead and get that W in Philly. And when you look at your run, I mean, you play with some some Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, with New Orleans and uh, more importantly with the New England Patriots. First, starting out with uh, Tom Brady. Uh, you've seen this guy at his highest. And now last night versus the Dallas Cowboys, they struggled. Uh, he didn't look like himself. Like the Dallas Cowboys defense was ridiculous. Um, when you think about Tom Brady, do you feel like that was the end? Or do you feel like Tom can end his career in that manner? Honestly, I hope it was the end. I hope Tom Brady is going to be like, all right, let me just relax. You know what I mean? And Because it's a young man's game. The average quarterback in the playoffs now is like 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and look, we love Tom. And we thought we was going to see that Tom magic yesterday because nobody wants the Cowboys to win. Let's be honest about this, right, Ron? Nobody wants them to win. We all wanted to see Tom pull it off, right? And even, you know, towards the end of the game, you're like, Tom's going to figure out a way to do it. But it never happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that has a little bit to do with him not being there during the preseason and training camp. And then also, you know, we talked about the flair of the Philadelphia Eagles in the beginning of the season. There was a flair when 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 Tom got to Tampa Bay. They called it Tampa Bay. And mm-hmm. everything changed. And he did. He changed Tampa. And, and now he brought Tampa to actually a winning program. I think that that it kind of fizzled away, Ron. I think it mm-hmm. I think it fizzled away. And, and I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a team that's not all hype on this great quarterback, this legend, this GOAT that he's now playing for my our franchise. I think that all fizzled away, and you saw kind of the Tampa Bay of old this year. 
you know, a disoriented group, a group that really can't get it done, a group that can't run the ball. Defensively, they're okay, but even that, they fell off defensively. And that's been their strong point for forever, Ron. They've been mm-hmm. good forever defensively. Levant, as, as long as Levante David was there, he's been there for, what, 11 years now? Yeah. And that was my young boy, Ron, when I was there, bro. That was my young boy. But he he since uh, Levante David was there, they have been a, a top defense every single year, and they just kind of fell off the map. They can't really stop anybody, as you saw last night. And then also the 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 connection between Mike Evans and Tom Brady. What happened to that? They were a dominant duo for the years that Tom Brady, you know, was pushing the Tampa Bay to not only Super Bowl but to the playoffs every year. And even this year, they just didn't look in sync all year, and yeah. everything just kind of came to a head last night in that beatdown from Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and I saw your boy, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees was at the Vikings game. Me and Drew played against each other in college. He was at Purdue. I was at Minnesota. Uh, He came out and spoke when I got drafted. Uh, In 2002, we did like the 32 rookies or whatever. They flew us out to California. Drew Brees was one of the guys that showed up to our hotel along with Keyshawn Johnson and some other veterans to kind of spill some wisdom to us. And so we caught up on the sideline. But we also, Ben Lieber walks down. And so we're talking about the 2009 Vikings uh, uh, Saints playoff game where it comes down to some controversial plays. You're a linebacker. Ben Lieber was the linebacker involved. Tight end trips and falls. Lieber falls over the top of him, doesn't touch him, pass interference, and then we know the story Saints going to win. Uh, when you think about moments like that as a linebacker, not as a Saint, because we know, as a <laughs> linebacker, as a linebacker, do you think that Ben Lieber got screwed over uh, in that situation because the tight end truly did just trip and there was no contact between the two. And even ESPN to this day, uh, they show that moment. They show the Rams uh, when they decapitated the receiver and there was no flag thrown. Um, so there's moments like that where it gets thrown and then it doesn't get thrown where people always say the NFL is rigged. They wanted, you know, they, they didn't want the Vikings and, and Brett Favre to win because uh, everybody hated Brett Favre leaving uh, the Packers and the way he did it. But do you think Ben Lieber was screwed in that moment, or do you feel truly feel like it was pass interference? You're talking to not you said a linebacker, but I was a Saints linebacker, Rod. <laughs> Come on, bro. Look, things happen in the playoffs. Sometimes referees, I don't know if I want to say blow calls, but I feel like they allow guys to play a little bit more in the playoffs. Uh, I was at the game when New Orleans played. I think it was the Rams, and they had that uh, questionable call really late in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we were there, and we were the victims of it. I was in you know, the suite with Reggie Bush up there, and, you know, those things happen. I hate that they do, but they, they happen. And luckily I was on the other side <laughs> of one of those calls, you know, but they happen. And, I, look, I wish the referees uh, – I think they should be held at a little bit of a higher standard you know, mm-hmm. I think the players do, and the players get criticized so much when they make mistakes, like the Dallas kicker yesterday. He's getting destroyed, yeah. you know, and yeah. rightfully so. You shouldn't miss four extra points. You know, I right. think the referee should be held at a higher standard. Players can't say nothing to him. Players can't talk about him in the media. They can't say nothing about it. So I don't know who it is, who I need to talk to, Ron, who you need to talk to, but I feel <laughs> like they need to be, get, be held at a higher standard because – these are crucial games, not, and I don't care about betting or none of that BS. I'm talking about, you know, players' livelihoods are on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, players' careers and futures and hopes and dreams are on the line, and they need to figure this thing out and get it right. Yeah, and I mean, you see Joey Bosa, he he makes the comment about, um, I think it's Joey, one of the Bosa's makes the comment about yep. Big um, Bear. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the ref, and you know, he's he's celebrating the fact that we gave him a 15 yard penalty and da da da, and they're in the locker room. And how come they're not held accountable to missing the 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 offensive lineman? Speaking of offensive lineman jumping off sides or, or starting early, I mean, we know the Giants on one of their touchdowns, their tackle started early, uh, but you didn't see the Vikings players throw helmets like they just kind of like look like really you're not going to call false start, but yeah, you're right. There, I think there needs to be a because they want to be full time refs. I think there needs to be a review every offseason or after every game even to kind of break it down and say, hey, look, here's a bunch of calls you guys blew, but you're asking to be full-time, but here's the reverse. They're saying if you make us full-time, maybe we'll have time to, to dial into these type of plays nonstop and really <laughs> study film. It is what it is. Um, I know a lot of other human beings, and it's, it's hard to be a ref, and that's why I feel like they do need to go into that pool of young athletes who used to play the game. You're seeing the NBA start to do that now. Former players, uh, Schmush Parker is one of them, uh, who's starting to, you know, trying to get back into being a ref in the NBA. So players that played the game are actually starting to get about women that played the game are also starting to be NBA refs as well. So you're starting to see that. Um, let's transition. We're going to transition. We're, we're, we're going to leave the NFL. I don't want you to pick a Super Bowl winner. We'll talk about that later. Uh, we'll have to get you back on the show when, when the, when the uh, final four is set. But when you think about the NFL, uh, as we transition just to a different topic quick, uh, you saw DeMar Hamlin get hurt. I, I know you faced injury. Um, there's been some big injuries in the NFL this year. You saw last night another uh, Gage gets hurt. Uh, when you think about Hamlin, though, do you think the NFL has to come up a way? Because the owners decide to say, okay, no matter what happens, we'll still pay out his contract. But do you feel like the NFL needs to come up with something? Because I know when I played, if you got hurt, half of your salary was taken away yeah. if you got put on IR. And so a lot of players fought IR. They'd be like, no, I don't want to go on IR. Just keep rehabbing me. I'm going to rehab. We're going to figure this out. I'm going to be back. And players would sometimes force themselves on the field too soon because IR meant, hey, I'm not going to get $700,000 now. I'm going to get four hundred. You know, and that's a lot of stuff that people, the general public doesn't even realize why some players don't like being on IR. Uh, they did change the six-week IR now, the four-week IR and all that stuff, the designated IR versus the full-time IR. But do you think the NFL needs to review that and change that so that when players are hurt, they don't feel forced to play because they're going to lose money because it's something that they couldn't control, whether it was an ACL on these terrible fields or whether it was something like DeMar Hamlin just getting hit at the wrong time right in the heart. Um, do you think that's something the NFL uh, owners will review this offseason? I think you have to, especially in the case of uh, DeMar Hamlin. You know, look, at the end of the day, the guy's not a vested player. Right. You know, where does that leave him? You know, because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm look, I'm so glad that he's, he's – I feel like he's not back to normal, but, like, man, I, I from how it looked and the things that I heard, like, man, like, you questioned it, was he going to live, you know? And the, to hear that he's back home and he's going around the facility and, you know, he's he's moving around, it's just like, man. But it's like, does he ever play football again, right. you know? And, and and a non-vested player, what does that mean to a non-vested player? That means they're, they're shit out of luck. I don't know if I can say that, but right. that's, that's oh, what yeah. usually what it means, you know? And, and I think, you know, from what you just said just now, like, I was just thinking, like, Maybe you don't have to be vested, but if you sustain a career-ending injury, you know, something like, you know, something like that, you know, something that can put you down, something like, uh, you know, that cervical, uh, like Shazier had, you know, something that, that you know, you play the game knowing these things can happen. I don't think Hanlon, anybody could predict anything like that was going to happen. But the guy that Gage, Gage that got hit last night, you see those things happen. You know, guys go down. It's almost like, you know, they lost function in certain parts of their body. You know, that happened to me. 
you know, and, and Ron, my first year, you know, was in 2009, my rookie year, but the league minimum was like 315. My second year, the league minimum was like 465 or something like that. Right. Right. I already knew how much I was going to make, you know, my first two years, my first three years off my first contract after taxes. Right. But then I went on IR going into my second year. And then I basically had less than half of the salary. Now everything was, I was thrown in the loop. Like, oh my gosh, like, how much money I spent my rookie year thinking I was going to get this half a million dollars that was coming, you know, the next year. It didn't happen, right? right? So I think, you know, first of all, players need to understand, like, don't worry about the money that's coming because that might not ever get there. You know, take that responsibility on yourself mm -hmm. and say you can only use the money that you actually have, you know? And I tell a lot of young guys that because they're like, oh, you know, they start they thinking they're going to make it to the NFL or thinking they're going to get this job or thinking they're going to get this opportunity. And they start planning like to buy, you know, to purchase certain things financially. And it's like you can't do that until you have that money in the bank. And even if that even if that like you need to have 10 times as much if you want to spend this type of money, you know. Correct. So I think financially, guys got to start making a little smart decisions and be more aware of what's possible out there, like the IR stuff that can cut your salary to less than half. But then also take the NFL, I feel like needs to have something in these contracts that if a player goes down like Hanlon, that we all know and he's we're, we all know and we're comfortable that he's going to be taken care of forever, whatever that case is. And I think lifelong insurance should be there too, Ron. Right. Yeah. And I think that's going to be on the docket for the NFL PA. We know they've always tried to fight for that. Um, the vested player numbers change. They're trying to change that stuff. When you look at retired players, um, there's a lot of things there where people don't realize after five years, when you leave the NFL, uh, they're done with you. They don't take care of you anymore. Your hospital bills are on you. So you could have had a career ending knee injury or back or neck. After five years, they're done. Now you do have disability and things you can file for, but I know personal player, I know players personally that make that trip out to California and Ohio to get, you know, neuro, neuro neurological tests and all that stuff. And I'm not going to say names, but I know the NFL has denied them numerous times. And I know I've seen these injuries. I've seen my dad was one of them. Uh, my dad was one of them where he went out there to California, did the neurological test. They told him, no, you're fine. Why? Because he didn't act like some of these other players act and he had normal function but he knew something wasn't right and then when he yeah. died we had his brain donated and he ended up having grade three cte which there's only four levels uh and he was in three like four is the worst four is like dementia mush brain he was at three but he just had frontal so he didn't have the memory issue so there's a lot of stuff the nfl is gonna have to look at and have to figure out um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this offense off, off season brings. And it's going to be guys like the Tom Brady's, like the Drew Breeses that stand up for some of the players that don't have a voice. Um, let's transition a little bit into the Big Ten. I got to talk to you about Wisconsin. Uh, they get a new hot young coach now, Luke Fickle. He was big time at Cincinnati, made a lot of big moves early, got into the final four at Cincinnati. So I do know and understand what Wisconsin's thinking. The way this guy recruited at Cincinnati, but that Cincinnati conference is a little easier to go undefeated than the Big Ten. And so when you look at these coaches, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, Tom Allen, you got Pat Fitzgerald, P.J. Fleck, Luke Fickle, Ryan Walters now who's at Purdue. We got James Franklin. We got Brett Bielema, your guy. Uh, we got Mark D'Antonio. Or no, no, sorry, it's not Mark D'Antonio. It's uh, Kirk Ferentz. And then it's what's his name? Um, why am I forgetting his name? The black coach at Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker. Yep. Uh, you got Mel Tucker, you got Matt Rule at Nebraska, George, uh, Greg Ciano at Rutgers, and then Mike Loxley at the University of Maryland. When you look at that list of coaches, you know, and, and I know 
In my opinion, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, you're going to throw them ahead of Luke Fickle just right now. Probably James Franklin, what he's done at, at Penn State as well. Uh, Brett Bielema did have a great year at Illinois, so I kind of got to lean towards him right now ahead of him just because of what he's done already in the Big Ten. But then when you look at Kirk Ferentz, P.J. Fleck, Matt Rule, Greg Schiano, some of, and Matt Rule probably will start to get some, some recognition at Nebraska because he is from the NFL. He is from Baylor and turned it around out there in the Big 12. Where do you rank Luke Fickle right now entering into the Big Ten? Well, I think you hit it right on the head, you know, in terms of Jim, Jim Harbaugh, you know, and everything that he did this year where Michigan went this year and then Ryan Day. You know, if you can keep Ohio State at the top, you know, because mm -hmm. they're they're the SEC school in the Big Ten. I knew yeah. that when I was there and they're, they're strong there now. So he keeps them afloat, you know, and then I think you got to look at Franklin down in Penn State and the job that he's done. And then look... <laughs> I don't have a great relationship with Bill of us, so I'm just gonna leave, <laughs> leave him off the list. But I think, you know, when you when you look at Fickle and the job that he did over in Cincinnati, you know, he's a Big Ten guy. He used to play at Ohio State. So mm -hmm. he understands what what this type of football is like. And, you know, I look at the, a coach, right? I think two things you gotta look at coaches, right? How good do they recruit? And how can they improve the player? You know, mm -hmm. how can they get the players better? And I think this is a guy that can do these things. You know, Wisconsin, I feel like over the last couple of years, so I've heard Ron, I got a little, little whispers talking about they were almost like negating the recruiting aspect of, of college football almost, okay. you know. And that's when I heard that, I'm like, and I love Paul Chris. Paul mm -hmm. Chris was the offensive coordinator when I was at Wisconsin. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, like I hope there's like not so much truth into that because mm -hmm. that's how you build your program. Right. You build your program through recruiting, you know, unless you're, you know, prime, they're just going to get all these transfers in the transfer True. portal, you know, but ain't no coaches like that, you know, and if they're going to transfer into the Big Ten, they're going to go to the top two schools, which is Ohio State and, and Michigan, you know, so I put them kind of in that top five, you know, uh, coaching, uh, you know, given the situation too. Wisconsin's always a perennial uh, a bowl game, uh, top 25 team, you know, so I think the talent is there. I think they, they need to recruit a lot better for their skill positions. And of course, you know, they're going to get the big hog mollies from the Midwest, you know, the O-line and the D-line and the big boys. You know, I think they need to do a, a lot better and, and find a guy like a sauce Gardner who was under fickle in Cincinnati, you know, and, and get that kid and develop them and make them the number one player, the number one corner in the NFL right now in sauce Gardner, you know, so I see potential there, you know, and I'm very optimistic right now, Ron, of course, because we, we don't know how he's going to do, you know, right. we don't know how Matt rules going to do in Nebraska and everybody got their fingers crossed the old Nebraska faithful because it's been a long struggle for them. They haven't been competitive in the very while. And I'm talking about the top of the top because they used to be the cream of the crop back in the, I guess, the, the 90s. And, you know, it's been a long time coming for them. But I look at the Fink, look, I was a little indifferent at first because I didn't know who he was. You know, like I wasn't, I'm not a big college guy, Ron. I watch a lot of NFL. Mm -hmm. I get paid to talk about the NFL. But, you know, when Fickle got hired, I started doing my research. And I was like, okay, this is the Cincinnati coach. I'm very familiar with the Cincinnati coach. I just didn't know his name, right? Yep. And then, <clears throat> and then I look at, um, the when you talk about I think when you talk about college you got to think about what players can they bring in you know like can they bring in uh, top ten players you know and I don't know if the name Finkel will do it I think the track record to do it from everything that he's done at Ohio State mm -hmm. and in Cincinnati and what he's done for some of these NFL players that are that are currently in the league right now you know and I think that'd be good for the for the uh, for the Badgers in terms of recruiting.
And people forget Kobe Bryant, uh, the corner from Cincinnati, who's now with the Seahawks. People forget he was up for the uh, top, the Jim Thorpe Award. And then all of a sudden Sauce Gardner comes in the next year and kind of takes over. But Kobe Bryant starting now for the Seahawks, you had Sauce Gardner on the other side. Luke Fickle knows how to find him. He did get Amari Snowden, kid out of Michigan, my little cousin, uh, was going to Cincinnati. So I was okay with that. Fickle now brought him to Wisconsin, so 6'4", 200-pound safety. So I know he's that type of NFL body caliber guy, four-star kid. I was hoping he didn't come to the Big Ten. I was like, if you're going to go anywhere other than Minnesota, go somewhere. He went to Cincinnati. <laughs> and then, of course, now here comes Luke Fickle bringing him back to the Big Ten. So I already told him I'm going to cheer for Wisconsin all the way up until they play Minnesota, and then it's over. Um, but 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 last one, two, or two more. One, we'll get back one last NFL prediction, but – when you look at Brett Bielema, and I and I heard you kind of say like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Brett Bielema. Like, I know he came in and took over. Uh, what was that? Why was that transition not good? Like, what was that like? Because I know some people think new coach is always going to be a great fit for everybody. Why wasn't that a great one for you? Well, I had a, actually had a great relationship with uh, with Bielema at first. You know, he mm -hmm. was a linebacker uh, coach and defensive coordinator, so he was actually my coach. You know, we had a great relationship. I was a captain my junior year uh, at Wisconsin, and then my senior year, uh, I got hurt, and it everything kind of hit the fan for me my senior year where I was like a projected All-American and doing mm -hmm. all these things. And I don't know if it was like rumors or something, but like I had a bad rap. At Wisconsin, like yeah. I had, I had like a lot of character concerns, and you know, a DUI didn't help that case. You know, I had a DUI going into my senior year. Ron, my senior year, this is what happened in my senior year, right before the year started. Right, I'm a preseason All American. Mm -hmm. I get, I get hurt. Like I get hurt really bad, like in in training camp, right? And then the next week, I get a DUI, and then the following week, I wasn't voted captain. This is the start of my senior year, so I'm just like, oh man, yeah. but. Then you go the whole year, and I end up playing. I was misdiagnosed several times. So this is a deep story, Ron. You might want to yeah. get me back on and do this, because this, this <laughs> will take a little while if I really go into depth. But basically, I was misdiagnosed my senior year, and a lot of people, and, and I'm saying the coaches, they were kind of looking at me like I was, like, insubordinate, you know, which I wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just a young kid. I made some mistakes, you know, but I wasn't a bad kid, you know. Like, I cut class sometimes, you know, and and I they just thought I was this terrible kid, and then I ended up going undrafted. The day of the draft, I got word that my counterpart, DeAndre Levy, who got drafted in the third round, when teams are calling, the Giants coaches – excuse me, the Giants coaches the, – the Badger coaches were praising him and downplaying me. So, like mm. I said, Ron, this is a whole nother story. <laughs> I don't want to really get into more of that because, you know, you might get me standing up on a chair, you know. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a personal thing between me and him. Um, right. You know, and look, I, I used to say I hated the guy. You know, that's how mm -hmm. that's how bad I felt about it. I don't hate no man no more. I mm -hmm. think I learned to get the hate out of my heart, you know, and I have nothing against him. I wish him the best. You know, yeah. we haven't spoken in, in a very long time, you know, and maybe we can do that, any you know, soon. I don't know. But, look, I wish him success, not over Minnesota and Wisconsin because for you, <laughs> and for me, you know, but I wish him success. But it did, our relationship went sour. I don't know where that happened, how it happened. You know, but it, it, it went south, and it went south really quick. And my senior year was really tough, playing my senior year hurt, trying to, you know, figuring out if I can go to the draft, if I can play in the NFL, you know, and mm -hmm. end up, you know, going undrafted. But, hey, I played nine years, won two Super Bowls. I think yeah. I, I did all right. You definitely did all right. You know, God always has a plan. Uh, God doesn't create a lot of it. You know, a lot of people always assume, like, why would God let bad stuff happen? 
stuff just happens and then god takes that and creates a story with it he knows he can see he can see two sides of it that's why we have uh, we have choices i don't want to preach about that uh no, but i always look at like the rock in the river you you, you got to be ready for success exactly you know and i had to go through the things that i had to go through at wisconsin to be ready for the nfl you know i was an undrafted free agent look i found a guy drafted by the new york giants at a high round draft pick in my hometown, who knows how long I would have played, you know? I've been running the streets in New York City. I went to where I went to, you know, and I dealt with what I had to in Wisconsin, you know, and I got and I got in trouble. I got in trouble. That's what happened. I got in trouble at Wisconsin. When I was in the NFL, never got in trouble. You know, mm -hmm. I learned my lesson, you know, and you do it at a higher at on a bigger stage like the NFL, you know, you get dragged and you get kicked out the league, you know. So luckily I was able to get those mistakes out the way. And like you said, you know, God always has a plan, you know, and if you ask for something, he's not going to give it to you. He's going to give you a test to see if you can qualify for if you're strong enough, right? Yeah. And I think that's what all I had to go through, you know? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, last one before we get you out of here. Uh, that's Jonathan Casillas uh, joining us on the Ron Johnson Show, the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. I got to ask you, though, when you look at the, the teams in the NFL, not who's going to win the Super Bowl, but what are your final four? Like, who is your NFC championship game? Because now they're down to it. And who's your AFC championship game? Who's your final four right now in the NFL? Uh, well, let's start, let's start in the NFC. So I think San Fran is unanimous. They're going to be there. I think Dallas is a very tough team, but they're going to have to play lights out, you know, not turn the ball over, mm -hmm. force some turnovers against this talented San Francisco uh, team, you know, and, and Dallas is very up and down, mm -hmm. you know, how they perform uh, and not San Fran. San Fran's very consistent. And then, like I said, I, like in the, early in the program, I think the Giants can go in and beat Philadelphia. Okay. You know, I think they can go in and beat Philadelphia. Uh, will they do it? That's a good question. But I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna say it's gonna be the Giants versus San Fran Ooh, okay. uh, on the NFC side. And in the AFC, it gets a little funny. You know, when I look at the Bills, the Bills can beat any team by 30 points. Any single team in the NFL that can beat it by 30 because their defense is always solid. Josh Allen, when he's on, there's really nobody better when Josh Allen is on. Nobody can do what he does in terms of running and passing the football when he's at his, at his best. But this is the thing. He hasn't been at his best. He is very reckless with the football. And, and I don't know where that came from. I, I don't feel like he was always like that. I don't feel like he was like that last year, you know, but he's very reckless with the football this year. And I don't like that. So for me coming out, and I don't know how exactly how the seating is. Um, all I know is you got Mahomes there and you got Joe Burrow mm -hmm. out of the three. When I look at him, I think Mahomes is the best. But Mahomes never beat Joe Burrow, Ron. Never. He's never beaten him. He's 0-3 against him. And mm -hmm. something about Joe is like, it's like when he get no moments, man, there's like no one better. You know? So I think I got to go with Cincinnati. And I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly how to, how it's going to work matchup-wise. Uh, but I would take Cincinnati uh, and, and, um, and the Chiefs. Like I said, I don't know if they will play in a division. Who's playing this weekend in the? Oh, well, you got you got Chiefs, Jags, you got Bills, Bengals. Okay, cool. So right, so yeah, so they they will play in the championship if they both get through it. So yeah, so, yeah. I would take Chiefs and Bengals. Oh, so you got Bengals over the Bills. Okay, well there you had it from from Jonathan Casillas. I'm Ron Johnson. Coming up next, we got the daily three. But before we get into that, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk, Twins talk, Wolves talk, just sports talk with all your local experts. But subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, and you can find all of our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And we have a word from our sponsors. Make sure 
you check out Locked On Sports Today with the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And now we have the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. It's an easy one, Ron. The Bucks are out of the playoffs. The Cowboys crushed them. You talked about the Cowboys in segment one. So my question to you is, Tom Brady, has he played his final NFL game for real this time? <laughs> well, Tom Brady, you never know. Um, I did see, uh, I forgot the guys, I think Logan Ryan, uh, he intercepted Tom Brady's final pass. And uh, he had Tom Brady sign the ball. And then he actually wrote on there Tom Brady's final pass as a Patriot. So he intercepted Tom Brady's final ball as a Patriot. Tom didn't, I don't think Tom realized why he was signing the ball. He just signed it. And then he had the equipment guys write on there Tom Brady's final pass as a Patriot. So if I were Tom, I would go back to being the Patriots for, you know, one game. Just ask Belichick, hey, can I come back and throw one last pass, sign me and Gronk, uh, let us throw one last pass or our last pass is a completion, and then he can retire one. He makes uh, the ball that Logan uh, Ryan put into his uh, trophy case null and void, so he'd have to take that out, edit it, and say Tom Brady's second-to-last pass as a Patriot. Um, but also it would just be the way to walk up. I'm guessing he's going to want to retire as a Patriot. Uh, I feel like this 10-day is coming up where he signs a 10-day with the Patriots maybe next year and does an official retirement and has a big video. Um, but also Tom Brady, the competitor. I can't see him wanting that to be that be his final game, that bad of a game. Uh, I truly believe he should have retired before uh, when he had a better run at it. Like winning the Super Bowl, he should just walked off like some of the greats have done when you think about Jerome Bettis uh, and, and being able to do it that way. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, was another one. Uh, that's just a great way to leave the game. Like you win a Super Bowl and then you walk away, um, especially at the at the amount of time he's played. Um, I don't feel like there was anything left. But again, I don't know the drive in a man. That's him. He owned, He's the only one that knows what he wants to do. If he's healthy and he can still sling the ball, uh, which looks like he can. He has some deficiencies here and there, but I think that's just the Cowboys defense. Um, but I mean, the way he kind of kissed his parents walking off and uh, he was very like thankful to the media. Uh, maybe. Maybe this was his last game, but I mean, it's Tom Brady. You just never know with him. What do you think? I think he's back again. I, I think he is too proud and too competitive to unretire and come back for one year that doesn't go very well. Like, I think he wants to prove that his unretirement was worth it. I think he switches teams. I think that he winds up with the Dolphins or the Raiders and he'll make another run at this thing. I, I think that he's just ring seeking at this point. He doesn't have loyalty necessarily to Tampa. Um, he can kind of go wherever he wants. He's not uprooting his wife anymore because he's not married. That's probably part of the equation. So it, yeah, I think that that's definitely a big factor is that he doesn't want to let this unretirement go to waste. Yeah, and if Tua does have to take a year off due to concussions and maybe take some more time off, maybe. Maybe Tom Brady's the stopgap until the Dolphins can draft another quarterback, but the Dolphins, um, yeah, who knows? That's, that's not a bad one. What's the next one? Upset alert, Ron. Who's on it this weekend in the NFC? Top-seeded Eagles taking on the Giants or number two-seeded San Francisco now taking on the Cowboys. Uh, who do you think could be upset? in this divisional round the Niners 
when you look at that defense of the of the Cowboys, I keep saying this, they come from so many different angles when you look at their blitz. Uh, it's it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, it's beautiful. When you watch how they get after the quarterback, uh, that's the one thing that I think we have not seen. And Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy gets all this uh, hoopla right now for some of the throws he makes. But then when you actually go look at the throw and dissect it, it's not a great throw all the time. It's just his players making a play. Like Debo Samuel, that was a simple over route. Debo takes it to the house. Uh, you look at the one in the end zone. Now, yes, he threw an absolute perfect pass, and it was dropped in the corner of the end zone. Uh, but then that deep ball, I forgot who he threw it to, the guy's name. Uh, it wasn't one of the top guys, but he threw a deep ball uh, where the DB could have literally decapitated the receiver, but in today's game he can't, so he kind of just hit him a little bit. Um, that ball was thrown inside. He should have he pushed it to the sideline to where the guy probably catches it over his shoulder on the sideline and maybe scores. Like Brock Purdy throws it back, back inside. It wasn't a great throw. So I feel like with a team like the Cowboys, the way they play coverage, the way they have so many different guys in different positions and the way they get after the quarterback, and Brock Purdy can run. We do know that. But that defense can run. I feel like this is a defense that can give him absolute nightmares. Now, it, it it's the, the biggest problem, though, is the 49ers defense is good. And so Dak Prescott hasn't been the best. So, but I do feel like if anybody's going to be upset, it's going to be because the Eagles, they're going to run through the Giants. But the 49ers, the Cowboys, it, it's a good matchup. So it'll be a good one to watch this weekend. Gosh, the Vikings are going to look dumb if the Giants turn back into a pumpkin and just get walloped by the Eagles. And they very well could. I'm convincing myself that the Eagles didn't really play very well the last three weeks. Jalen Hurts is rusty. Mm -hmm. uh, he's kind of only played like part of a game in the last month. Maybe the Giants stay in it. Danny Dimes puts together another big game. Honestly, one of the great playoff quarterback performances we've ever seen on Sunday from Dimes because of the way he ran the ball and threw the ball. Turnover free. It was so good. Does he have an Eli Manning type run in him? to the Super Bowl for the Giants. I don't think so, but um, that would be crazy. So I'm holding out hope the Giants can can pull that upset. It'll be interesting to see, though, would you be more mad if the Giants won or if the Giants got blown out? Because if they won, that means the Vikings could have won. And if they get blown out, that means the Vikings definitely should have beat them. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think if the Giants get whitewashed in this game, then it's pretty clear the Vikings slipped up big time yeah. like that's probably more likely um and i'd be pretty mad so <laughs> basketball question to end things ron yep. timberwolves jazz yesterday jazz win 126 125 one point game and who was the x factor it was walker kessler the former wolves draft pick first round mm -hmm. pick they gave him up in the rudy gobert trade he goes off for 20 points 21 rebounds a 2020 against the team that drafted him. Is that going to be the piece, Ron, the Wolves regret trading most in the Gobert deal? Uh, I, at this point, I feel like it because I just I just don't feel like Gobert is getting, you're getting out of Gobert what you thought you were going to get. Um, what we're learning is Gobert is a one-two punch guy. You watch Donovan Mitchell go absolutely bonkers in Cleveland right now. Like he's putting up 80 points if he wants to, 71 points. I mean, he's just going nuts. And so what that did was you had to defend Donovan Mitchell. So what does that do? 
you have to defend him when he's coming to the lane. You have to defend him. And where's that leave open? It leaves the lane open. So Rudy Gobert is in there with just one guy who's literal to him. When Donovan Mitchell drives, the big is trying to stop it. He's throwing a floater. Uh, I saw uh, Jim Peterson bring this up. Rudy Gobert is one of the best alley-oop uh, highball uh, centers right now in the, in the NBA. But it doesn't work because the Timberwolves offense doesn't do that. Like, they don't let Anthony Edwards cook to where he can then drive and decide. Now, again, the games I went to early on, they did do it, and then they stopped. Like, I don't know why you – like, if they can't stop it, why do you stop? It's not like in football where you run the same play a couple of times and you're like, all right, let's move on. Basketball, you can just keep doing it. Like, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and then they stop it because it's basketball. It's not football. It's not like a play. It's just let the game come to you. And, and Anthony Edwards can literally be the Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert's Rudy Gobert as they had in the Jazz when they were a four seed. Um, but, yeah, Walter Kessler uh, won. The game was BS because – uh, it ended on some some BS file. There were some files in there shouldn't have happened. I get it though. It's a, but both of these teams are like what twenty two and twenty three and twenty three and twenty four or whatever. Yeah, both middle of the road teams. Uh, Kessler hasn't done that all season, so maybe he will get better. But maybe that was just him playing with a little bit more oomph because he's like this team didn't want me. You know they drafted me and they they thought this guy was better than me. I'm gonna go out here and show you why he's not better than me. Um. So, yeah, I, I think they will regret it because if he has that in him, um, maybe you could have got it out of him. And then you have him next to Carl Anthony Towns with Anthony Edwards. So you don't have a guy in, in Rudy Gobert where you feel like we have to figure out what to do with him. And then you have a guy in Kessler who you can spread the floor out a little bit uh, compared to Gobert. He can't go. I mean, he's not shooting jumpers. And so it's kind of a waste of space on offense where it's only like rebound and put back or alley-oop. So it is tough. He's not like a back to the guy, you know, you know, Akeem Olajuwon type of guy. He's not that center. So, yeah, I, I could see them regretting that long term. I don't know. What do you think? You, you could have had Rudy Gobert light for a fraction of the cost, yeah. and you wouldn't have had to give up Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, or Patrick Beverly, or a mm -hmm. billion picks. Ah, I'm frustrated. I'm yeah. frustrated just because you needed you needed affordable young players. You had one in your pocket, and then you gave them away and now you've got an expensive veteran who might not be elevating your team. It's frustrating. Right. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, I want to thank Sam. I want to thank Jonathan Casillas. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Continue to like, download, share, comment, interact with us. Let us know on Twitter, too. We do interact when you guys have comments about our videos. Join in. Join into the talk because we're right here to interact with you. But if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota uh, feed on YouTube where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comment section below. I want to thank you and have a great day.